Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina, or at least host for right now. Matt, do you hear that? Is that a cricket? That means the training wheels are off, baby. Adam is no longer sitting here. He feels that we're doing our job. Wait. Oh, sorry. He just texted me. He said he's dealing with multiple offers. Get back to work. All right, so Adam will be back apparently. <laughs> All right, so so who do we got today, Corey, on the show? We have Warren Smithies. This is the CEO of the Martello Group, which is a property management company in Western Canada. And these guys uh, manage a lot of property. Talk about high level. Five million square feet across Western Canada in various asset classes. You know, the biggest surprise of this, there's a lot of really great takeaways. I mean, these guys, Warren has been in the business a long time. There's a, a, a couple of really uh, key takeaways, as I say, but uh, I was surprised that he said, reach out to him directly. I can't believe the he's, CEO of the Martello Group is pretty hands-on. He's a, he's a very approachable guy. And he's the type of guy that will take the time to get back to you. So I think when he says it, he's genuine. And like he said, he takes, finds a time for everybody. He's extremely busy. I know I bug him from time to time. He'll always, I think he just stops what he's doing and tells me he's not busy, but I'm sure he's just throwing his hands in the air because yeah. he sits there and he takes the time to talk to you as if you're the only guy in the room. And then he probably goes back to the other 3,000 things he's doing when he hangs up. <laughs> it was so great having him on the show and it's a great episode, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, Corey, I know... About a year ago, maybe a year, 14 months ago, we had you on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast and you were doing a lot of Earl's takeout at that time. I yes, remember. yes. Any, <laughs> anything takeout at that time. But we are in the grand reopening. Uh, I know Adam and I were talking about being, we were, we were on at English Bay over the weekend. It was like carnival or something. Uh, what, what have you been up to? Well, I've, I've done my best to try to get back to as normal as possible with still respecting the laws in place and and hopefully getting back to sit-in dining at restaurants. Were not you just actually, any. so I actually was in a in, in a restaurant for the first time two days ago and it felt good. Have you been? Yeah, yeah. I went uh, I went last week for the first time in a couple of weeks to go sit down and had, have lunch and it was, uh, it was a very unique experience for the first kind of like you almost take it, take advantage of that and then now all of a sudden you couldn't do it and now you can do it again. It's almost kind of weird, but- yeah. It's it's slowly getting back to, to stride there. The restaurants are, are looks like they're filling up. What what does this mean for commercial real estate? The opening and and maybe I'll put it in the context of what I'm thinking about. So Adam and I, you know, the the on the residential side, uh, we've seen kind of the market slowing to to being busy, but not at that crazy level that we were running at in January, February, March. And what we've been predicting for this summer is as we reopen the market is actually going to slow to like a, a crawl in the summer, which I think a lot of people are excited about because everybody wants to travel uh, and do things kind of unrelated to work. But it's it seems that way, like the market's kind of sp a little bit spotty right now. Is that what you're seeing in the commercial market? Well, I think a lot of like business owners now that now that things are reopening and we do actually have a roadmap ahead of us are kind of pivoting a little bit of their attention from survival and all that stuff to, hey, I got to get going again. Now they're shifting it back to rehiring people and dealing with suppliers and stuff like that. So we haven't really seen it slow down just yet, but I think I think you can make the prediction that as we get into summer, that you're going to see things maybe come off of the the highs that we've been on for almost a year now. We're thinking people are going to get back more to the operationals and reopening of their business. I think it will lead into a lot of excitement and optimism right. as we get towards the end of summer where business owners are probably going to feel relieved. They've got money back in their bank again. You know, you, you Guests are returning that they're going to start to gear up ready now and let, let's get going back to where we were. And I think you might see some companies that may look to sort of maybe expand from where they're already at. Well, you know, and this is this is kind of an interesting thing, right? Because there's just general optimism right now kind of across the board. Yeah. 
And I wonder when that optimism kind of hits the market for people investing in commercial real estate or looking to acquire commercial real estate, because I, I guess, at least in my mind, it's when can I get a tenant where there's enough stability in terms of the marketplace that I know, you know, there's not going to be any issues with with the rent coming in on time, and and I, I think we're kind of getting there. Yeah. But but is your is your thought that's kind of we're going to hit the beach for the summer and, and it's really the the fall when that happens, or is that 2022, or or what do, what do you think? Well, I think you're going to see that from an acquisition side of things. I think right now money is still obviously really really cheap in the marketplace, and I think it's going to sort of hang out there for a little bit longer. We have no inventory to really pick from. So I think on the sales side of things, we'll probably pay pretty steady. And if you can find good assets, they will trade relatively quickly. The leasing standpoint, you, may, you might see a little bit of a slowdown with the current operators that are, sh- are sort of pivoting their focus more to getting going again. Mm-hmm. But on the opposite side of that, you might see a lot of optimism where people are now, they have a roadmap, they can see what's coming. They want to get back into business. Maybe people are holding off expanding or people are holding off on entering the world of entrepreneurship. They now see the light at the end of the tunnel. They want to get back in. So, I mean, I think we'll probably have a fairly steady summer ahead of us. I do think the latter part of this year in 2022 will be very, very busy now as things slowly start getting back to hopefully the new normal for where they were before. And in Vancouver, we obviously have some some very horrific vacancy rates. If you're a tenant, they're so low that I think you're going to find a lot of people start getting back to the office. That will kind of have put people back into the marketplace. They'll start eating lunch again, and then we'll start to slowly get back to where it is. And we'll probably be back much more into a landlord and seller's market, even more so than we were before with all the surge of interest and excitement. You heard it here first, folks. Interesting take. We'll see how it plays out here. Before we get to the talk, though, Corey, there's a few things we want to talk about. First of all, a lot of people reaching out, asking questions. Great to hear. And I think a lot of people want to know more, whether they're a landlord, they're a tenant, they're a buyer or seller about what we're talking about and stuff like that. So we're going to introduce a new segment in the coming weeks called Ask an Expert, where we're going to encourage everyone, if you do have a question, email it to us. We will do our best to answer it as as best we can. And then then from there, hopefully we can give a little bit of guidance to those people maybe looking to enter the the, the real estate market for the first time as well. Right. So this is is, uh, an opportunity in my mind. If you have a question related to anything commercial real estate, we have Corey Wright, the founder of William Wright Commercial Real Estate Company, one of the fastest, if not the fastest, commercial real estate brokerage in terms of growth. It's it's getting up there, and, getting, and, and then, I, I'm just making this up, but it seems like you guys are expanding very quickly. Yeah, well, it, it was it was all planned like ten years ago. It just looks like maybe utter chaos from the public side of things with an office opening every year. But this was obviously a, a strategy we had, so it's it's growing. And then just so you know that people, if they email us something and I don't know the answer to it. I won't read the question. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, the point about all this growth is Corey knows what he's talking about. Any question at all, please send it to info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com and we'll have Corey answer it for you on the show here. And thanks for everyone who's uh, reached out and rated and reviewed the show. It's been great. I know. Uh, No kidding. And uh, and now this Ask the Expert uh, segment that's coming soon. It's great stuff. Last but not least, Corey, I think we have a sponsor. We do. This episode is Sponsored by Impact Commercial Group with over 50 years of lending experience for all your commercial lending needs. Please visit Impact Commercial at impactcommercial.ca. Yeah, the episode with Alan was great and uh, Impact's fantastic. But maybe, Corey, without further ado, let's get to our talk uh, with Warren Smithy, CEO of Martello Group. This was uh, this was a great conversation. Great episode. Enjoy, guys. Okay, we're here with Warren Smithies, CEO of Martello Group with over 5 million commercial square feet under management in the property management game. How you doing, Warren? Amazing. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. I, maybe, Warren, can you start by telling us uh, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'm the CEO of Martello Group. Like you said, we're a family business, second generation We've got offices in Edmonton, Calgary, head office in Vancouver, satellites in Victoria and Kelowna. Yeah, I've been in the business a long time, since 1988, so that's 33 years now. Uh, definitely no property management inside and out. Got a lot of stories to tell, for sure. 
Well, we're, we're so glad to have you because one thing that we always comes up, especially when it's a first time purchaser, is they don't know how the commercial operations side of a building works, so they don't know how to manage it. And, and we've worked with you guys for years and you've done such a great job for so many clients is coming in and sort of taking that investment and making it carefree for them by bringing in professional management. And one of the great things is if a tenant or sorry, a landlord has triple net leases in place, the management fee is covered by the tenant. So there's no additional cost for a building owner to bring in a professional management company that can make sure that their building runs much smoother than if they try to take a run at it themselves. So, yeah, you're so right. I mean, there's a lot going on in the commercial business. Many of your listeners, I'm sure, will be familiar with like um, renting an apartment, for example, or perhaps investing in a condo before making the leap into a commercial property. And the commercial business, as I'm sure you know, you've talked to a lot of what your other guests on the show, for example, the complexities that are involved, it's a completely different ballgame. And the two, you know, the two different asset classes, commercial versus a residential investment, a condo investment, they're not necessarily the same. There's a lot more to learn on the commercial side. So that's where bringing in someone like us is a huge value add for our clients who are new to the commercial game. We have a lot of expertise to bring to the table. But in terms of like, I guess I can boil it down to maybe three key elements of why a new investor would want to work with a management company like us. I mean, like you said, it comes down to removing the headaches, but also we, because of our expertise, we can really help in maximizing the ROI of the investment and also protect you against, you know, some pretty significant risks of owning commercial property that don't necessarily exist in the residential space. So yeah, that's kind of how it boils down. I would say those three key elements. Right. And, and we should unpack those for sure. Maybe taking a, a step back here, Warren, how is property management different in the commercial space as compared to the residential space? Because I think a lot of our listeners will either intuitively know or just from being either a renter or a landlord in the residential space, you know, there's a percentage usually that's involved and they uh, take on the tenant. But how, how is it, it different in the commercial space? Yeah, so I guess boiling it down to uh, probably one of the most fundamental differences is that the commercial space is pretty much unregulated compared to the residential space. So if you're an investor in an apartment unit, you have to comply with the Residential Tenancy Act uh, in all the ways that you interact with the tenant, which is not the case in commercial at all. The way you interact with the tenant is dependent on the lease that you've negotiated. And in many cases, you know, commercial leases are extremely complicated, can be hundreds of pages long with nuances that you might not even understand of having gone through it with your legal counsel. That's where we come into play. So working with a professional manager means that you create a level of consistency in communication with the tenants and professionalism, whereas it can be quite unprofessional and for the tenants inconsistent, I would say, with unprofessional management. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And so the Residential Tenancy Act is is one thing that, that doesn't exist. I know at least, and I work as a residential realtor here in Vancouver, a lot of our investor clients ask about fees when it comes to property management, especially where cash flow is is pretty tight. Um, can you talk about the, the fees involved and how those are different? Because, of course, the landlord is paying for those in the residential space. Yeah, absolutely. And this ties into how we can help maximize an investor's ROI in the commercial space. So in the commercial business, unlike residential, um, the costs of our services and more generally speaking, the maintenance costs of the property can be collected back from the tenants. Whereas in the residential side, the tenants only pay one monthly rent amount, what we'll call gross rent in the business. Um, in commercial, like Corey, you were alluding at the outset, uh, leases are conducted on what's known in the industry as a triple net basis. So the tenants pay a base rent, which is really what you keep at the end of the day or you'll use to pay your mortgage payment out of, et cetera. But on top of that, they also pay the cost of maintenance and insurance and property taxes. So as a commercial investor, you're actually much better protected against cost increases at your property compared to a multifamily investor. Well, that's one thing I think people don't really realize is sort of how much goes in to the management side of things. And if you take a small, even two-story building 
with an elevator, you've got HVAC, you've got mechanical systems, you've got potentially snow removal and surface parking stalls to take care of. Warren, can you maybe go into a little bit more sort of on that scenario, just what kind of what the management would cover in that cases and what are probably some situations that might arise where you guys, you know, you, you guys, your guys worth pays for itself times 10, keeping that landlord out of these sort of uh, precarious situations? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of what the tenants pay for in your property, so all the classic operating things. So for example, if you own that office building, you would have janitorial contractors. You might have other maintenance people working at the property. In an apartment building, that would all come out of your bottom line. But in commercial, that's actually recovered from the tenants. Not to mention all the other items like utilities, insurance. There are a lot of line items in a commercial budget. And tenants in the space are used to paying for on a multi- price basis, essentially, which adjusts annually. Like, I'm sure you guys have been hearing in the news recently, there's a lot of talk about inflation pressure in Canada. Like, the, the horror story is lumber prices, which have gone up seven times in the past, like, six months or something like that. Right. That is starting to trickle down into wages. And so what we're seeing at our commercial properties is that the cost of services like janitorial or HVAC are starting to increase as the people need to earn more money to pay because of inflation. But because of the way the leases are structured, we can pass along those increased costs to the tenants, which they in turn also, by and large, pass on to their own clients uh, within their own pricing structure. So yeah, commercial clients, commercial investors, much better protected against inflation compared to a residential investor. That is probably my number one concern for our residential clients today. Over the past year, we've gone through the the traumatic pandemic that has shut the world down. And I, and I know going into this, there was a big concern about tenants being able to pay rents, both in the residential or multifamily side and the commercial side. Is the commercial real estate market going to survive this? Is there going to be 50% vacancy everywhere? You guys are on the front lines in Western Canada in, in multiple asset classes. What challenges did you guys find? What impacted the management business? And also, I guess lastly, what asset classes or particular areas maybe were maybe more affected than others that you guys saw over the past 12 to 16 months? Yeah, that's a great question. Because we are across Western Canada and we do manage pretty much all asset classes, we do have an excellent 30,000 foot view of what's going on in different areas. With respect to COVID, it definitely hit tenants differently. For example, multifamily came out pretty well overall. Um, here in British Columbia, there were rent subsidies going on, whereas out in Alberta, not so great, generally speaking. The office class in Alberta was particularly hard hit by COVID, uh, I guess as it has been generally across Canada. But by and large, I would say that our clients have come out well better than I was expecting in March last year. Um, but it was a very complicated process to navigate. Increased demands on cleaning, tenant concerns about actually being in buildings at all. Um, and only now we're starting to get back to work, back into the office. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting time for sure. Now, in the retail sector, which was one of the major concerns a lot of people had, and I think sort of you know looking at it from the outside, you know, it probably hasn't been as bad as maybe first anticipated. Did you guys see on the management side of things with regards to collecting of rents and, and rent deferrals, was the retail one maybe as bad as you might have thought 16 months ago it could have been? Or was it, was it kind of a little bit more transitional where you know tenants were turning over but demand was still high and maybe rents were getting paid as, as accordingly? Yeah, retail was a particularly interesting asset class through COVID. Uh, at the outset, it was hit very, very hard. You know, things like restaurants or cinemas or bars, they got hit so hard and they're still recovering from that today. Um, there were some big box stores that closed up and those are still sitting empty. Um, smaller mom and pops, many of them didn't make it as well and those are starting to turn over as well. But there's actually an interesting trend going on. Now that, well, I, I suppose there was a lot of layoffs, generally speaking. And people now, especially in Alberta, actually, uh, are turning towards entrepreneurship more so than they have been in the past. So we might have maybe a small retail space that's, say, 1,500 square feet storefront. In the past, it would have taken a while to find a good tenant for that, especially in the Alberta marketplace. Uh, but now there are new businesses coming up as people 
seem to want to take control of their lives and, you know, take the opportunity to go out on their own. So for us and our clients, they've actually, they're in the retail space, they've come out quite well. We don't have much in the way of vacancy, except for those big power users that are going through corporate restructurings now, but those are cross-Canada issues. That's so peculiar that, and, and I guess it makes sense, people wanting to kind of take control of their lives, but to go out on your own and start a business at this moment, and especially where a business that with considerable overhead, it seems like such a a strange moment to do that. That that's that's really surprising. Yeah, I think it speaks to the resilience and the entrepreneurialism of Canadians. Yeah, it's great. I think. Now, were you seeing this more in Edmonton, or were you seeing this more in Calgary? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> well, just for a friend. Mostly in Calgary, I would say. That also seems not surprising. Is is so a, a few things just thinking about uh, kind of over COVID. So it sounds like retail and office were the were the two areas that were hit the worst. And it sounds like interestingly enough, but not surprisingly now that I think about it, that government response actually made investing in BC a better bet over the last year just because <laughs> the government was propping up people in all sorts of areas of the economy. Is, is, that, is that the right take? Absolutely. Um, so I'm also vice chair of the Building Owners and Managers Association of British Columbia. And so I sit alongside our institutional peers, um, you know, the companies that own huge office buildings in downtown Vancouver. And back in March and April last year, we were really at the forefront of, you know, soliciting the government to come out with these programs to support landlords and businesses. And generally, the programs came through and they've proven to be effective. Many of our tenants back in, you know, the early COVID period, um, our clients weren't receiving any rent from them at all. And we had to negotiate custom rent deferral agreements and navigate subsidy programs, which was tremendous challenge, tremendous time allocation. But now, coming through it, uh, once we got through the hiccup period, the cash started flowing, the businesses started receiving their subsidies, and our clients came out whole for the most part. So I feel very fortunate, actually, for how it ended up shaking down. I thought it would be a lot worse than it actually ended up being. One thing we see is is on the brokerage side of the business, a, a even tighter industrial market and higher demand, believe it or not, in the industrial side. Are you guys on the management side? I'm guessing that was probably an asset class that probably was probably least impacted during it. Or did you guys on the rent collection side of it run into problems with that asset class as well? Industrial right now is like a fortress. You could invest in that asset class, and I don't see how you could lose money at this point in time. From a management perspective, there is so much demand from tenants for that asset class and such a short supply of space that tenants, in my experience, will do pretty much whatever it takes to make sure that they stay in good standing for their spaces so that they don't lose it because they can't find another space. So yeah, it's been good. That asset class has been very strong. So you're primarily in British Columbia and Alberta. Is that is that across the board or is that specific to Metro Vancouver? The Metro Vancouver market is definitely the strongest. Um, Edmonton is weaker. There is a bit of an oversupply of industrial space in that market. Calgary is actually surprisingly resilient because it's a great distribution location between British Columbia and Ontario. Um, so our occupancy rates in industrial properties in that market have also remained strong. They did take a little dip, but generally quite strong. Isn't it the case that, and I, I heard this a long time ago, that that uh, goods come in, in the, at the port of Vancouver and they actually go to Calgary and then are shipped back to Vancouver in a lot of cases? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I I was just wondering, Warren, like to take a, a bit of a step back because, you know, I operate in the residential space. I kind of want to get a better sense of of what working with a property manager looks like and when somebody should bring you on. Uh, and, and just thinking in, in the residential side, we recently purchased something in a, in a different market. And interestingly enough, the property manager that was engaged, I think, was was even more useful in terms of the information he was providing for uh, to kind of suss out the areas that we wanted to invest in. Um, when can people engage your services and when should they? 
and, and kind of what does that process look like? So in my experience, the earlier that a client starts to work with us in their acquisition process, the better because we'll be able to provide insight to them while they're working through on things like verifying and confirming their assumptions on operating costs and things like that. If this is a first purchase for an investor, they probably don't have the level of detail or what to expect and how events could impact their pro forma. So the earlier, the better. Probably the point of having an LOI in place would be the best point in time, I would say, to engage us. For listeners who don't know what an LOI uh, refers to? Letter of intent. It's a, it can be yeah. assigned as the start of the process of negotiation. Sometimes you find in commercial that you may not see in residential is some you know landlords or larger landlords are very, very busy. And they don't want to engage in drafting a PSA, which can be very, very long and sometimes expensive to negotiate. And the PSA for listeners who don't know what we're talking about? Purchase and sale agreement. That they might just say, you know what, give me an LOI or a letter of intent or a letter of interest telling me how much you're willing to pay, what are your terms and conditions, I'll review that. And if I feel we're in the same ballpark, let's negotiate into a PSA. If I think my building's worth $10 million and you were going to give me five, I'm just going to shred that piece of paper and go on with my day. So mm-hmm. it's a very common practice used in commercial, especially when you're dealing with larger landlords or larger buildings. So the letter of intent, this is, uh, you've, there's no contract in place, uh, but the potential purchaser should be engaging your services, Warren, uh, at Martello at, at that point. Yeah, and just to clarify for you, we as a company don't charge fees at that point in time when we're working with clients. So we would perhaps negotiate an engagement, a management agreement for post-closing, but during their due diligence period, we would support them with our expertise so that you know we can help them make the deal happen, basically. And, and do fees, so just so I understand this, it sounds like with the triple net costs, the fees are passed on to the tenant. But is that the case in all markets? Is there a risk, say, I'm just thinking office in Calgary, where somebody's saying I'm going to negotiate those fees out? Uh, does that ever happen in Vancouver, or is it just basically standard practice that those fees are passed on? Uh, I would suggest that it does happen, but it's extremely uncommon. And there's only select tenants that are able to negotiate those terms. So I'll give you an example government tenants. Perhaps you're lucky enough to purchase an investment that has the province of British Columbia or the federal government as a tenant. Extremely excellent credit quality. There is no way that as an investment, the the government is going to default on that lease, in my opinion. Never Mm -hmm. seen it happen. Right. But at the same time, because they're so big and they provide such credit quality, they can negotiate those terms, what are typically standard in the industry. So you might find caps on expenses, or they might limit the amount that expenses can increase year over year. At that point, it becomes completely custom. But again, very rare, very rare. And when you're referring to expenses, we're talking about the triple net cost potentially increasing on an annual basis type of thing. Yeah, that's right. So for an example, maybe the lease would say that HVAC costs can only go up by 5% a year or something like that. That's typically how it ends up uh, being presented. And the trade-off is your, your your tenant's money is pretty much almost guaranteed coming from the federal or provincial government. Right, the kind of triple you might, client, right? You might almost give up a little bit of that stuff just for the security versus having versus having maybe a smaller mom-and-pop type shop, which may be a little more risky there on the, the first of every month, if you understand what I'm saying. That's right, yeah. And it's an individual investor decision whether or not they feel that that trade-off is a deal worth doing. Warren, how often do you see people trying to manage properties themselves? And I'm I'm asking this because it it almost, you know, on the on the residential side, you see it all the time because people don't want to, you know, drop 8% or 10% because the margins are tight and and they have time and they're willing to put in the work. In the commercial space, if I have a letter of intent and I think a deal is going to happen, and I engage your services, and you help with the transaction, and then those fees are passed on to my tenant, it seems like there's there's zero reason to try and do this yourself. Is it quite uncommon that people are doing that, or is there a misunderstanding in the market? Like, why would people not use a professional management company? I think some investors, as a psychological profile, prefer to have the tightest control of their operations uh, as that possible. That makes sense. That makes sense. And many people, not many, but some people feel like 
delegating operational work to a manager uh, is not best for them in their mind. But that's really the only time. And, you know, not impartially, but we always recommend that an investor in a commercial property work with a manager. If it's not us, it should be somebody else. There is a level of complexity in the commercial space that it doesn't exist in the residential space. I'll give you an example. Uh, in residential, when a tenant pays you rent, let's say you're renting a, uh, an apartment for 1800 bucks a month, that's it. You don't have to reconcile expenses with the tenants or anything. 1800 bucks is 1800 bucks. Whereas in the commercial space, you actually set out a budget a year in advance of what the tenant will pay you uh, on a monthly basis. And then at the end of the year, you have to go back and analyze the expenses and calculate the difference by line item and then either provide a credit or receive a reimbursement from the tenant for the difference. That, especially when you have to analyze a 100-plus page lease, is a level of complexity that many new investors in commercial simply don't know how to deal with. And that's probably the number one place where value is lost in an investment. There's money left on the table. One thing we see quite often in the acquisition side of it is, especially when you have a mom-and-pop type hands-on management side of it is they don't maybe understand all of the costs that should be going into their annual budgets. And it's very common where a, a seasoned purchaser will come in with his management company and during the due diligence phase, they'll go through and they'll rip apart the numbers in there. They'll apply probably more, maybe more realistic numbers and instantly upon closing on that property and getting the proper budgets in place, that property on the exact same rent roll that they have from the, from the sale, they see an uptick in cash flow. Not because the property was mismanaged, just because they're not recapturing all the costs they can. And all those costs that they're paying out are coming right off their bottom line that the landlord would have the ability to charge those back to the tenants. And we see it quite often in a situation where professional, for lack of better words, professional buyers and managers come in and they're buying it off of a, a smaller investor that maybe not understand the operational side. Instantly, you can get those numbers the rearranged. There. Opportunity exists. You, you know, Warren, just thinking about, so it sounds like essentially the statement of adjustments at the end of each year and going through the line items is enough of a headache where, at least for me, I'd never want to manage something myself. Uh, can you talk about uh, how some of the other headaches Martello removes for potential uh, commercial owners out there? Absolutely. I mean, like in the residential space, tenants are demanding. They want services and they want them delivered in a timely fashion. And they want to talk to, if not the owner, then the property manager on a regular basis. Things happen. You know, properties are like, a, they're like an ecosystem. There is always things going on and they need to be properly tended to. So, I mean, I'll give you an example, like emergencies happen. Maybe you'll have a toilet leak or a pipe burst or an emergency situation like that. I personally had a 2 a.m. call once that took until basically dawn to sort out. And if you're an investor in a building, you don't really want to be handling those situations yourself, whereas we take care of all of that for the investor. You know, we've got dependable trades that will actually show up to site at prices that are pre-negotiated. We really take a lot of the pain out of operating and maintaining the relationship with the tenants. And, and what about vetting tenants? Yeah, screening is huge. And we work with Corey, you know, during the negotiation process for new tenants to screen them and make sure that they are, in fact, of quality. Because the last thing you want to do is sign a 10-year deal with a tenant only for them to go bankrupt inside the first three. Nobody wants that to happen. So, yes, screening is very important. And that's an excellent point because, like, having the proper checks and balances in when trying to find a tenant is so important because... You I mean, a lot of people don't realize the cost a landlord incurs to put a tenant in place. And under that, you have costs with the brokerage side to find the tenants. You might have some legal costs in there to draft the lease. You might have what they call a free rent or a fixturing period or potentially a TI, which is a tenant allowance, which is money paid from the landlord to the tenant to help them with their construction or their build out. 
that sometimes a landlord might not even really start to see any rent after all of his costs until the 13th or 14th months. So if you're getting yourselves in a situation that you're not screening and doing the proper due diligence to who your tenants are, and you're turning those tenants over every one to two years because you're, you're taking flyers on potential type tenants, is you might actually find yourself in a negative position from a landlord perspective because your costs are adding up annually to replace these tenants versus doing it right the first time. And a lot of people I don't think realize bringing in professional management is like an insurance policy. Is it kind of it's, it's always there for you and then when you need it, it pays for itself times 10. And that's where I can't imagine a better example of property management of of, of having professional property management than COVID. It was something that nobody knew about. The rules were changing on a daily basis. And a lot of people don't realize it from a landlord perspective. If you go in there and you either re-enter your unit or something like that, or you break quiet and join them under your lease, the tenant might have recourse against you. So you as a landlord acting appropriately under your lease is so important. And that's where management will review those leases, follow protocol under those leases to make sure it's done properly and professionally and not put you as a landlord at risk. I 100% agree. COVID was the most challenging situation that I think our industry has faced definitely within my career, for sure. We've actually gained clients because, you know, some individual owner investors who were trying to navigate the COVID process, they just threw up their hands and they said, you know, we can't deal with this. It's way too much. Whereas we had developed internal systems to deal with all the programs and cleaning and everything else that was going on. So, yeah, COVID was a, a challenge and that really brought to the fore, you know, the value add that having a professional manager brings to the table. You know, I think I mentioned this before, Warren, but um, on the residential side, it's often useful, especially if you're entering into a market that you don't know all that well, to talk to realtors, but also property managers to get a sense of of demand uh, and, you know, what where the opportunities lie. You're operating in two provinces with a huge portfolio under your management. Can you talk about where the investment opportunities are right now in your mind? I guess thinking about British Columbia and, and Alberta and what type of uh, what type of classes? Asking for a friend again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a really good question. Yeah, there there are opportunities everywhere. That's for sure. In my mind, price matters. But at the same time, growth also matters. So when it comes to a growing marketplace, it's hard to beat, you know, Vancouver Island, the greater Vancouver area. The underlying fundamentals are really strong, but at the same time, prices are really high. So, um, you know, it's hard to say if the prices are worth the growth. I really don't know. We have many clients who are strong believers in the greater Vancouver market, as am I. But I also think that the interior, like Kelowna, Kamloops, they're also growing really fast as well with relatively good value compared to the greater Vancouver area, same with uh, the island. So if you look a little bit further afield, you might be able to find better value, but it comes at a trade-off of potentially lower growth. I was writing down those areas as fast as I could and my pen just died. So, so Warren, w- one type, if maybe put what it happen, sorry? Uh, no, I was writing down everywhere you said to invest and my pen died halfway through. So I was, <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to listen back. <laughs> if you were to buy one, say, if you were a mom and pop investor right now and you were going to buy one commercial property in an area in BC or Alberta, what type of property would it be and and what location? Maybe to put a fine point on it. Okay, my pen's ready to go. Go ahead, new pen. You know, it's hard to pick one. There's so many, but I can tell you where, because we also invest in real estate as well. So we invest alongside our clients in some select assets as well. And the last place that we put our capital was in the Okanagan. Definitely feel like there's growth there. Redevelopment plays, well-positioned assets, I see the value in those. Fantastic. You know, I, I had w- one more question for you, Warren. You know, considering you've been in, in the business since 88 and you, you there's so, at least in terms of square footage, so so much uh, that you're managing, what is maybe one horror story over the years that sticks out? Oh, man, there's so many. Uh, when I first started my career, I was managing apartment buildings. And we had some really troubled assets that I was tasked with turning around. And when I took it over, the building was basically full of drug dealers 
and I had the task of evicting all of the drug dealers, uh, cleaning up the building so that our client could sell the, the property at a giant lift. It took the better part of five years to turn that around, and it was pretty hairy. I got threatened a few times personally, but that's the nature of the business sometimes. And we did unlock a lot of value for our client in that situation. Don't know if I take on that kind of contract again in hindsight, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely that was a horror story for sure. As a last question here, if I'm an investor and I let's say I want to be very hands-on or I want to be very hands-off, from a management standpoint, can I structure that with you with regards to how hands-on or how hands-off I want to be? Or is it strictly, this is how it is, take it or leave it? No, we're, we're very customized. So some of our clients want to, you know, interact sometimes on a daily basis with our manager on the operation of their properties. And that's fine. And they'll have final say on like the contractors that work in the building. They'll vet all of the tenants themselves in addition to our work. Some clients really want to be involved. And then there's others, like we have some clients that are international uh, and they literally offload everything to us. And they only ask, you know, for the monthly or quarterly statements and their cash distributions. And otherwise, they don't want to hear from us. So we can go either way in terms of level of engagement with the client. Well, that's, that's a great point. Like I said, I can't stress enough on the brokerage side of how important the role of professional management is because we see all the, the good landlords and the bad landlords. And when I say bad landlords, not say they're bad, but they're trying their hardest, but it's just not their forte bringing somebody in in the professional management side will preserve your asset and probably honestly drive the value of your asset up without you even lifting a finger. Or costing you any money. Or costing you any money, yeah. Yeah. All right, Warren, we have uh, we have a segment called the MLG Six Pack here. We ask you six questions to give our listeners a little bit more t- a knowledge of who you are outside of work. Do you have a, just a couple more minutes to hang out with us? Ooh, I don't know. Revealing personal info sounds scary. Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, the MLG Six Pack is sponsored by McKinnis Law Group. For all your commercial legal needs, whether it's a commercial lease or a commercial closing, please visit McKinnis Law Group at mlglaw.ca. All right, Warren, first first question up here. Favorite movie or TV show? Oh, that's an easy one. Star Wars, generally. Amazing. Great story. Great arc. Love it. I was like, you can't see Matt here. He's trying to read my doctor writing right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still learning are. the six-pack six here. Uh, next question for you, Warren. Favorite vacation spot? Ooh, that is a great question. Barcelona, oh. I would say. I think it's Barcelona, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was I was worried. I haven't been. I haven't been. (laughs) Strongly recommend, especially for New Year's. Great parties. Right on. I'm usually asleep by about eight p.m. on New Year's, so that's. (laughs) I I don't. I don't even make it to Poco and back. Uh, Next question: Uh, Favorite band or song? Oh man, that's a really tough one. Well, my name is Warren, so Warren G. Um, Have you met Scott McKinnis? Regulator. Because he, he, Scott, we had a, a lawyer on the show the other day named Scott McKinnis. And bless his heart, he said Mob Deep. I was going to say, this and, is. And in four episodes so far, we've got two rap groups two, and as two our favorite. 90s rap groups. 90s uh, rap groups. Warren G. Regulators. I like it. That's great. Well, I know what I'm putting on my iPod, my iPod after this. <laughs> Uh, Warren, favorite quote, or and I'm going to call an audible here and add, or words to live by, in case you can't, uh, in case you have to paraphrase. Words to live by. Ooh, deepest wisdom. Be open to opportunity as it presents itself. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty, That's good. pretty good right off the bat. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> A book you would recommend to our listeners, and it could be anything from an autobiography to a business book to anything in between. Well, right now I am reading How to Prevent a Climate Emergency by Bill Gates. If your listeners out there haven't paid too much attention maybe to what or thought about what they can do as individuals to help prevent what's climate change and what's going on, I'd recommend it. It's a good intro. It gives you some good action items. Is, is it overly uh, scary or depressing? I guess almost everything climate change related is, but, um, or is it, is it, does it have some sort of uplifting components to it? 
it definitely frames it pretty negatively, not going to lie, but it does provide action items. So there is hope, I would say. You know, you're not drowning in negativity. Right. It gives you a future. Okay. And the last, last question for you, Warren, one piece of advice for our listeners starting their commercial real estate journey. Uh, before you make a purchase, make sure that the team that you're working with, be it your broker, your lawyer, your property manager, make sure you have really good team on your side because they will be able to add so much value and protect you from bad situations that you can't even foresee. It's funny you say that because that seems to be a very common thread through a lot of our guests when they're making recommendations is, is build a team around you right away because there's a lot of moving parts in the commercial real estate business and it's a very expensive business to be in. Making sure you have sound advice from people with feet on the ground every day will go a long way and save you a lot of money. Absolutely. Warren, thank you so much for joining us today. How can, uh, how can our listeners uh, reach out to you or find out more about you? Yeah, I mean, our website, martello.group, or I'm always available by phone or email. You can directly connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm always around. Fantastic. Well, th- well, thanks very much, Warren. That was, that was really great and insightful and really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on again. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Warren. We appreciate it. And there you have it, folks. That was our episode with Warren Smithies, CEO, Martello Group. I'm starting to see a trend here. We've had four guests on, all at a very high level of success, and 50% of them like rap music. And and 90s rap music. This is the, the this good is, stuff. This is the, the stuff. this is a big surprise. And I feel like the interesting thing with the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast is generally once we finish the interview, we say, oh man, there's so many takeaways. And in this case, there are equally as many, but I feel like the only thing is which music is is their favorite uh band or song. Because it's so I feel like it's so interesting. Uh I this question is because I we, think we, about we, it all the time. Because we've had Alan was Dave Matthews, and then we had Warren G. Wait a second. Was he Dave Matthews? I think his fallback was Dave Matthews. I think he said a Pearl Jam. Oh, right. Okay, Pearl right. Jam. So Pearl we've, Jam. Had, we've had 90s grunge. Yeah. We've had 90s rap. We had- Mob Deep. We had Mob Deep and 90s rap. We had Dropkick Murphy, which is St. Paddy's Day's favorite. Yeah. And then we had more 90s rap today. Warren G. Warren G. No kidding. Anyway, this was a great conversation with Warren. I feel like these kind of commercial real estate 101 podcasts are so useful. There's so many takeaways here. Well, it gives a great baseline of information to those people looking to enter the commercial real estate market. And I know we have a couple more episodes on our sort of our our entry level series, for lack of better words. But I think the takeaway has been really, really good. We've gotten lots of positive feedback. I know every episode we've had, I have taken away or learned something from that guest that I didn't know before. And I'm living this business every single day. Well, I'm trying to think of another area of any business in which you can hire people that are going to improve your day-to-day life experience and improve the return on your investment and pass the cost on to somebody else. <laughs> it's this almost is, a bulletproof investment I, system I, we've created in commercial real honestly, estate. Honestly, it's like, wh- where else does this happen? It's it's kind of crazy. And um, so, yeah, it's it, it makes a lot of sense to uh, to to be in, in touch with somebody uh, like Warren, that's for sure. Well, if COVID wasn't the best example of why you want professional property management in place from dealing with the tenants to dealing with government, you know, government subsidy programs, deferral programs with your bank. I'm sure, I'm sure challenges on the financing side because there could be some shortfalls in rent. There is not a better exhibit A than what COVID did. And as Warren said, they've seen a, a flurry of new clients to it that I think when those clients go and they experience professional management for the first time, they'll wish they would have done a lot sooner. Well, and the the last point here is it's funny, and I think, Corey, you mentioned it, is in, in the world of helping people look for deals in commercial real estate, one of the potential uh, signs of an opportunity is when it's managed. It's a mom and pop investor that's managing it themselves. One of the, right? one of the biggest opportunities out there. There's is, the flag, right? It's like, hey, here's here's an opportunity. Yeah, you can go in and, and sometimes you can pivot dramatically to your benefit as a buyer 
the income the property produces on the existing rents. We're not talking about having to get more money generated through the rents. We can take the existing income. We can just properly restructure and budget the property. And sometimes you might go from even like a very, like a break-even scenario or maybe a, a minor loss to an instant profitable situation just from rejigging your budgets for the year and recouping your proper costs. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. So that's great, Corey. What else do we have before we cut for the day? One is these episodes, the Commercial Real Estate Podcast, the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, are over at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com along with transcriptions. So if you're interested in that type of material, head over to vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. The other thing I will say is they are going out on the live wire. That is our weekly newsletter. We also have a commercial VIP opportunity over in Langford. West which is, Shore Business Park. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about it. So it, it's it's a development coming to market. It's 33 light industrial strata lots ranging from about 3,200 square feet to about 4,300 square feet. The greater Victoria area right now has about a sub 1% vacancy rate. The market over there in this asset class is exploding. Depending on what report you read, this could be the lowest uh, vacancy rate for that asset class in all of North America. And the uh, investment opportunity is enormous. A lot of investors have been migrating over to there just based on the returns you can get and the vacancy levels. On top of that, you have an asset class that has typically the most end users in it on the purchase side of things. So very hard to get product in this asset class in this particular marketplace. So if they reach out to us, we can add you to our VIP list before the product goes on sale, which we're anticipating is only a couple of weeks away. So definitely reach out to us and we'll definitely add you to that list and we'll have one of our brokers reach out to you. Yeah, so that is sign up to the Livewire on the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast site or Corey, how else can they reach you? They can reach me at Corey at WilliamWright.ca or they can visit our website, WilliamWright.ca. Landlords, tenants, sellers, buyers of commercial real estate, please feel free to reach out anytime. No question is silly. We're always happy to help and regardless to where you are, Throughout the province, we will put you in touch with the best broker in the best area for your asset. Fantastic. Well, let's leave it there. Have a good week, everyone. We'll be back next week. Take care. Subscribe today.